Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Graham Norton Radio Show. How exciting is this? With Waitrose. Over on Virgin Radio. Up and Adam, come on, things to do. Don't cheer, you'll just embarrass yourselves. We're not bored of it yet, so it's lovely. There's no stopping them. No stopping them. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Oh, there's nothing nicer, is there? Nothing nicer. With Waitrose. Food to feel good about. I mean, what's not to like? Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. Over on Virgin Radio. From chart-topping hits to awards to Olympic ceremonies to a university chancellorship, our next guest has had quite the career so far. And it continues with a fifth album, How Were We To Know, out now. And here with a new single, All This Love, you know it's going to be a fun day when there's Emily Sunday. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with all this love? Control room, round of applause. Here we go. Yes! Yes, Emily! Yes, Adam! Yes, Ollie! Ollie, Ollie, Ollie! Emily, how are you doing? Really good, thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's great to see you here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Do you enjoy the view? Loving it. Come on. Yeah, it was beautiful seeing the morning come out. You know, only gilded by your presence here. Adam on guitar. We had a big chat earlier on, didn't we, Adam? Um, Emily, great, great to have you back with us. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> and what a tune, All This Love, from the album that's out now, How Were We To Know? So this is the fifth album. 2009, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we know where you are now. We'll talk about that more in a moment. We'll hear more um, from you in a moment musically. But uh, back to Diamond Rings by rapper Chipmunk. Yes, that was the beginning. <laughs> back in the day. How did that happen? Um, well, I'd met Naughty Boy. He was one of the first people I met in London. Yeah. And uh, so I was studying in Glasgow, and I remember I was he would send me beats, just, you know, email them over. And I was hoovering up my room one day, and I was listening to the beat for Diamond Rings. And I was right. like, da, 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 Sent it to Naughty Boy. We recorded it, and he's very connected. So Naughty Boy then sent it to Chipmunk's team. Wow. And that was our first top 10 single, yeah. Oh my goodness! When you say he sent, he used to send me beats. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I know what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to style it out. To be yeah. honest. Oh, okay, here's the question: What does that mean? Um, <laughs> so he would send me the productions. So all the music was there, right? And then I would do a top line, you know, melody and lyric on top of that. Okay, yeah. I get now. I get it. Yeah. So when you where does it come, where do those top lines come from? Because I know it's not the same, but when if I'm in the sauna or having a, going for a run or something like that, yeah. if I get an idea, I know it's a good one because I didn't have it. 
I was had by it. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, yeah, it feels if like I you're discovering think, it. Yeah, if I try and think of an idea, I can convince myself it's a good idea. Yeah. But there's too much heavy lifting going on. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if, if an idea comes to me, I know that's probably a good idea. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's the same with songs. When you get those songs that just flow out and you feel like you've kind of uncovered them, those usually end up being the most successful ones because, yeah, they've, you know, you found them somewhere. Yeah, it, yeah. It often feels like. So 2009, you don't mind us doing a bit of an origin thing. I don't know. I, lo- I love them. I love them. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when people have been around for a while, it's great to go back and just to remind ourselves because we all re-engage with, we fall a bit more back in love with how we started again sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you get carried away with our own. Whatever it may be. So it wasn't an overnight thing for you, though, was it? Because it was three years to, to your first album. Yeah. I mean, even before that, when I was 16, I was trying to get signed and that didn't work out. Then coming back. And then, then I was a writer for about two years after I'd met. Writing people. for other people. Yeah. Don't so I was writing. That. Don't you hate that? <laughs> writing great songs for other people to be successful with. <laughs> so, I mean, it was good to get an insight behind the business, yeah, understand yeah. what goes on. So we wrote a lot for Leona Lewis, Susan Boyle, a lot for the Simon Cowell's wow. artists. So that was a good education, and then, but yeah, it was a struggle trying to get. Tell us about the door. that world, that that that, because clearly that was something you did more than once. Yeah. Where were you? Where where geographically? Where were you? How was that working week? How how often did you go to rehearsals with these? various names you mentioned uh well when they were in you know album mode we were there they'd maybe book us for like two weeks they come in every day you get to know the people which is lovely sometimes you write and you just email the track over but i much prefer it when you get to sit down and get to know them good fun yeah really good fun actually and the pressure's off you know you're kind of there doing the song obviously you want to give them good songs but then it's their job to then go in why am i thinking notting hill Notting Hill. No, because I'm just picturing you in Notting Hill with oh, Leona right. Lewis and Susan Boyle. But prob- oh, no, this was in Ealing, actually. Ealing yeah. Film Studios. Oh, that's, cool. See, that's cool. Yeah. We'll yeah. take that, won't we? Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> All right. And then what's what, loads of things. I mean, you, you are amazing. Four Brit Awards. You're, you're as good as a vocalist can get. You're amazing. You're an amazing <laughs> person. You're amazing Thank performer. You. So, But you're out, you're, 2012, your album is number number one for 10 weeks but not consecutively <laughs> it was that that's when albums could come and go yes. and you had a bit of excitement on the ride yeah that was, was what 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 caused the fluctuation um what nabbed the number one spot in between your run and how did you get it back and oh gosh um I mean, when the album first came out, I just won the Critics' Choice, which was amazing. So yeah. I think that gives me a lot of exposure. Heat. For, to, to, yeah, to go Good number heat. one. Then the Olympics came. So then yeah. you f- see the flux Oh, yeah, of course. That was all that, that year, wasn't it? So the Olympics definitely yeah. pushed it back up. And then... And you did, you did opening and closing? Yes, yeah. Did anybody else do opening and closing? <laughs> I don't think so, no. Cheeky. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky there. <laughs> Very lucky there. Wow. But yeah, it was a good time. It was a great year, 2012. All right, so here we are, five albums on, and it says it's, you've said this about this kind of once you've been hurt, it's very hard to pick up the pieces again and allow yourself to be vulnerable. So I think these songs explore the bravery of love and loving others, but also yourself. We said earlier on this week, a lot of people um, sort of uh, become distracted. You use the diversion of trying to find the perfect person to spend the rest of their life with, when actually the only person you're really going to spend the rest of your life with anyway is you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's so bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm happily married 16, 17 years. Bassus, you're the same. But if we actually do the maths, we don't really spend that much time yeah. with our wives. <laughs> Not because we don't like them, but just because that's yeah. the way it is for most people who are married. Yeah. But you spend 24-7 with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Right, tell us your 
current hot take on that situation, <laughs> Emily. Yeah, that is the most important relationship with yourself because as soon as you're alone or as soon as there's silence, you have to face yourself. So yeah. I think it's really important to invest time on getting to yeah, like yeah. yourself at least and yeah. you know, enjoy being alone. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy in love. But at the same time, yeah, it's so true. You can only give as much love as you can give yourself. So yeah. it's a good place to start. Um, what about Brene Brown? She she loves vulnerability. She's a superpower. Do you know Brene Brown? I know that. Oh, she's she's written all these books called Daring Greatly, and she says vulnerability is our ultimate superpower mm, because yeah, like within it. that is everything. Yeah, it's self discovery, it's energy, it's acceptance, it's surrender. Yeah, it's all those different things. I love her for that. Um, it's interesting though, isn't it? That that whole relationship with yourself, and you know the reference you re you also refer, you know. The, the, the phrase broken heart, you know, I think if you have a great relationship with yourself, it's almost impossible for your heart to be broken. Mm. Um, and that's not because you compartmentalize your emotions and you are, you sort of um, uh, firewall yourself against, against emotions. But I don't feel like anybody else has the permission to break your heart mm. if you're whole. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then on the other hand, I think falling like deep in love or yeah, yeah. becoming that soul intertwining. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where the the hurt comes if it yeah, ever yeah. ends. But I get I, the you're hurt. true though. Yeah. It, you should still feel whole by yourself. Yeah, yeah. But it just takes a while getting used to that separation. I think. Yeah, well you've you've shared it all with us here, haven't you? <laughs> Gosh. All this love. My boy likes to party. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear the backstory of that track. <laughs> Do you want to tell us? You don't have to, by the way. It's just, yeah, sometimes people are unfaithful and they like to party. Yeah. <laughs> Lighthouse, how are we to know? Too much. Nothing we can't handle. Like I loved you. There for you. True colours. End of time. Love. Because of you, it's pretty much all the way. Yeah, this love, album. love, love. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right. Um, is it true that you're you're um, taking over Ronnie Scott's for a bit? Yes, um, I'm doing a residency there at the end of January. Um, six shows in three days and nights. Nice. So, yeah, it's going to be cool. How How is that going to be vocally? I'm going to just, I'm going to go jazz. So I think I'll be able to yeah, yeah. keep it smooth, keep the yeah, voice yeah. intact, yeah. Yeah, and if you're doing it for the right reasons, you get all the right energy anyway, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Whose idea was that? Um agent manager but i've always wanted to play ronnie scott so have you played ronnie scott i've played there but never in my own gig so this wow. would be nice to like take over the room for and a what's while. better than one emily sunday gig at ronnie scott six on the bounce yeah. <laughs> adam, are your fingers up for it adam <laughs> has he got the gig has he got the <laughs> yeah we'll be doing a few shows there yeah how did you two meet actually through naughty boy uh we were doing a writing session and shy introduced me to adam and we've been making music ever since i like adam i don't know much about him but i like him yeah he's a cool am, am guy. i right yeah <laughs> i like ollie as well your tour manager yeah he's a great guy he's too. a dude man yeah i'm fascinated by tour managers <laughs> yeah it's a tough job <laughs> it's a, and how do you become i asked him how do you become a tour manager are you a frustrated musician could you not be bothered are you somebody's best friend all all, all roads maybe yeah, I mean, it's a special passion. <laughs> special. <laughs> They've got it's to organise people and musicians. Yeah. It can't be easy. Because you're dealing with lots of special people. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're not going to play another one of your songs now. You can if you like. You're gonna, you've gifted us uh, an amazing cover. Um, we've got time for this. And another one if you want. It's up to you. Okay. You do what the heck you like because you're Emily Sunday and we are 
We are blessed to have you in our presence. Oh. <laughs> so, what do you want to do next? Uh, well, I have prepared Sweet Dreams by uh, the Rhythmics. We're not going to say no. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Sweet dreams made of this. And who am I to disagree? I traveled the world in the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. How's the control room feel about that? <laughs> How good was that? That was amazing. Really that was, amazing. That was just five, sorry, ten human fingers and one human uh, voice box. Um, and that's what you can get mm. with if you have Adam and Emily in the mix yeah. as well. <laughs> I mean, it depends whose voice box and whose fingers it is. That if was amazing, it, guys. Thank you. Adam, if you hadn't got the Ronnie Scott's gig before, you've definitely got it now, I think. <laughs> Jeez, that was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I love. Uh, so if you want to go and see Emily and Adam, anybody else on stage that night? Um, potentially. All the plans are coming together. Oh, but yeah, nice. Yeah, good day of music. All right, Jan 24, 25, 26, two gigs per day. Are we t- tea time and dinner or matinee and dinner? Um, tea t- 6.30 and then 9.15. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, all right. And which will, if people are just going to go to one, would you go early <laughs> or would you go late? I think late's going to be the vibe, yeah. Late's going to be the vibe, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you've got to go home for school or work the next day, go tea time. It'll still be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be banging. It'll be a 10 out of 10 for then. Mm. It's just that the uh, there's a different kind of 10, <laughs> you know, after nine. Yep. Uh, so 24, 20, it's 24th, 25th, 26th in January. And you need this in January, man. Yeah. You need it. Yeah. <laughs> EmilySunday.com for tickets for that. Emily's brand new album, How Were We To Know, is out now. Do you want to do another song? Yeah. It's up to you. What do you, want, what do you fancy colors? next? Oh, yeah. What are you feeling? Colors, I think. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to, do, should we play a tune or are you okay to go? Come on, you got to get punchier than that. That was a trick question. The answer was, no, I don't need a tune. I got a tune. Okay, cool, we got it. Okay, but you got it. We won't know if you mess it up because you're so good. Yeah. What are we going to hear? What are we going to hear? Uh, this is a track from the album. It's one of my favourites called True Colours. Perfect, here we go. Oh, look how beautiful you are. You let your true colours amazing you are amazing you've always been amazing <laughs> adam you're you. amazing too you're newly amazing in my ears <laughs> in my eyes emily sunday how were we to know the album is out now and for those tickets once again for january 24 25th 26 two gigs per day i mean you only get the one gig if you mm. buy one you don't get to go all to the <laughs> goal it's not like a season <laughs> ticket is it Anyway, these tickets are available at emilysunday.com. And you're celebrating your 25th anniversary of writing songs. Oh, wow. Because you wrote your first song when you were 11. <laughs> okay. Is that right? Yeah, true, actually. Do you remember your first song? Yeah, it was called uh, Tomorrow is Yesterday. It was a really wow, serious... Wow, I was trying to be as serious as possible. <laughs> do, do, do you remember the lyrics? Do you remember how it... It was like a day after... It was comparing a stage with life. And right. it was like day after day... The stage is set again. Yes, I can't quite remember the tune, but it was something along those lines. Well, good for you. Thank you. Good. And you still loving it? Yeah, I do love it. Yeah, yeah you can't still, get you, enough. You, you get the vibe. You get the vibe. Yeah. That's great, wasn't it? 
don't want you to go, to be honest. <laughs> so good having you here. Thanks but you have us. to, because we have the rest of the show yes. to do, and you've got to get on with your careers, <laughs> and you're heading towards Ronnie Scott's. And it's not it's not miles away, but nevertheless, you've, yeah. you know. Well, it's, it's sold out. It's sold out. You know, it's sold out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I didn't need to go out the way. So, well, you never know. People might. No, it's definitely so that. We just checked. <laughs> Sorry. There'll be more shows later on. <laughs> yeah. Stick one in in the afternoon. Yeah. Do a midnight show. Yeah. Or in the heck. morning. That's the one you want to go for. Anyway, Emily, great to see great. you. Thanks for and having me. And great to meet you. Ollie, thanks for getting everybody here on time without or with what three words? I'm not quite sure. All right. Uh, right. On the way, we have Jason Isaacs talking about Cary Grant. What a lovely show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Craving some great 80s music. Play Virgin Radio 80s Plus. On DAB Digital Radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, and at virginradio80splus.co.uk. I got my mind set. Love Chris Evans. Woo! Love the 80s. the 80s. Virgin Radio 80s Plus. All right, off you go, Vassos. Our next guest has been quoted as saying, only a moron would play Cary Grant. He stars as <laughs> Cary Grant in the biopic series Archie out on ITVX today, and it's absolutely fantastic. So please join us as we hasten to Jason Isaacs. Uh, yeah, baby. Um, slip the headphones off, Jason. I, I, I will, but just, I, it's very hard to see you over this mountain of pens. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I wonder why you want to talk about Cary Grant with the pen gate. You only did oh, half no. an hour on it. Surely there's more to be said. Hey, no, he did half an hour on it. We didn't do half an hour on it. He did half an hour on it. Um, congratulations, mate. Oh, thanks very much. I, I understand that you watched it all, which is the best of the worst thing, is when you're an actor and you have to go and try and persuade people that they should watch something. I find it embarrassing. I just don't... It's not very English. Yeah. But but if you liked it, I'll just shut up and you can talk for Well, I have done all the show. Apparently you have. We Thank all, you so much. We all have. So here's my... What is it? Today, Thursday, isn't it? So here's yeah. my Wednesday. So up at four, 35-mile commute in, show, 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 uh, post-show chat about the show and about other shows, and then uh, commute back home, and then Wednesday is date day with my wife, so a couple of hours in the afternoon with her. Then I try and stay a little she bit... She gets slotted in just, yeah, to your life. Yeah, exactly. Try and uh, keep a little bit fit. Then on Thursdays, I have to pick the kids up. It's my, my turn to pick the kids up. Half three, the little ones have five children, two grandchildren. So the little ones pick them up at half three. And then I take... Um, um, Walt goes to his little rock guitar thing for 20 minutes. Then Boo and I go to the park for a cup of tea, wait for Walt, and then we go off to Little Ace's tennis till five. Oh, wow. Then we have tea and then... Um, the big boys get home from school 6 till 6.30 I actually pick one of them up at 6.24 from his bus drop off and then I go to bed at half 8 wow. yesterday I did all that and I watched your show for 4 hours I don't know where the 4 hours came from but you just find them if you need them oh, I watched fabulous. the first hour and I thought this is too good man I thought I'll watch another one 
and then I just had to watch all of them. Mate, it is the best, one right. of the best things I've ever seen on the telly, and I have to watch TV for a living. Congratulations. Oh, I'd like to say thank you and take the praise, but it's really due to Jeff Pope, who was, uh, and Paul Andy Williams, who directed it. Jeff Pope has been, uh, I'm sure many people will know who he is, but if not, he did Philomena, Stan and Ollie. Um, he's taken many, many uh, real-life things from the headlines and turned them into brilliant drama for 30 years. So Little Boy Blue, the BAFTA-winning thing about Hillsborough. And he was at an airport, and he read Jennifer Grant, Cary Grant's uh, daughter's... Uh, autobiography and then he read Diane Cannon his fourth wife's autobiography and the very different men that they knew and he became intrigued about this man who he had worked, you know idolized on screen and it's it's him I mean you get praise as an actor when you get a part that is as three-dimensional as complicated and as disturbing and as resonant as, as playing Archie Leach because as you know because you've watched it and people listening won't uh, he wasn't Cary Grant Cary Grant was this creature on screen that somehow he think uh, he hoped would save him from this tortured life, that he, inner life that he lived. And it didn't, of course. The more famous, the more loved he got by strangers, the less lovable he felt. And he'd start off life being completely unloved and neglected and abandoned and abused. Um, and he just sought his whole life some way to fill that hole. He took acid hundreds of times with doctors and, um, and destroyed all of his marriages, all of his relationships, until, this is my pop psychology theory, but I wonder if you agree, because now you've seen it. Um, he sought love and it didn't work. And when he started to give love, that kind of unqualified love you just described for your yeah, kids. Yeah. He had a child and he th and something started to heal in him when there was someone who came along that just needed him to love in an uncomplicated way. Yeah, absolutely, you know. 100%. You're not the only person who plays Cary Grant in this amazing no, no. four-hour, four-part series. ITVX Today, it's one of the best things you'll ever see on the telly. Who are the other people? Uh, well, Callum Lynch plays him as an adult from uh, 16 to... I don't know, whatever age you think I am when they've strung me up with elastic. Uh, By the so, way, pretty good range you do, don't you? <laughs> I do. Well, I like playing him at 80-odd because I'm covered in uh, prosthetics. Uh, I don't know. There's a bit when I'm younger where <laughs> underneath one of the wigs, there's a whole bunch of architecture and, and bungee cords, and I'm not sure it doesn't look like I'm hanging upside down in the cupboard. But anyway, we get away <laughs> with it. Um, and Callum's the one who does that brilliant transition from Bristol to the strange, strangled mid-Atlantic sounds that he ended up with. Um, and he's he's really something. I mean, I think you know. Obviously, I'm you're we're the same age, uh, but he's a, a film star in the making, Callum. I think. Yeah, well, and I think we can talk about any aspect of this film at any point in Cary Grant's life, and about the fact that you know this little boy was was treated terribly by his dad. Yeah, not so much by his mum. Uh, because she didn't really have any choice in the matter. Well, she was she was badly depressed when he came along. She was so badly depressed and and controlling. She was a difficult lady. I'll see when she, uh, you know, in, in every stage of her life, she was a difficult mum. But at least she didn't beat him. His dad was very violent and very drunk, and then just abandoned him completely. Yeah, lied, told the most terrible lie you could tell a child without question. Yeah, yeah. Um, we and and. The journey from Bristol, from this kid, and then he runs away with the circus. And the guy who runs the circus, he, he's... Pender. Is it, that, that's a real person? In oh, listen, everything you see on screen is real. It all, right. it's all, we don't make anything up. So he was... Because you never know. It could go either way. And he seemed to be a, a very decent bloke. Well, first of all, it's 82 years condensed into four hours, yeah. so I don't really know about Mr Pender. Mr Pender had a troop of teenage acrobats. Uh, that's where Cary Grant learned to stilt walk and be... You know, he ended up being... 
when he was in New York, he was a carnival and he was barker strong, and stuff. Wasn't he? Yeah, and uh, in fact, a lot of his early films, he's always trying to get a backflip in or a cartwheel. <laughs> or something. He thought that's what he had to offer. But Pender had a bunch of teenage acrobats because all the men were off at war. That was the First World oh, War. All right. And uh, it seems like he was very benign. And obviously, Carragher never gave anything away. Any of this stuff, other people uncovered it in biography. Was he really as benign with a bunch of boys travelling around? It's we're not quite sure. So, but he ended up in New York. And then, with, you must keep talking because I'm just going to do this. Okay, with this troop, and yeah. and then he and he the, didn't want to come home. The troop was going to come back, and he said, "Look, there's nothing for me in the UK." And he stayed there, and then he he tried to act. And it, yeah, but he struggled. New York oh, was a struggle. He? he was on the streets. He was uh, he was hustling. He was selling ties. He was a gigolo. Who knows what else he did for money? Yeah. He was a very pretty boy, a teenage boy, and he was struggling to survive. There yeah, were all he was kinds of wasn't he? you know those things you don't want to put in the on screen if you're not sure that they happened. But yeah. uh, it was. A pretty terrible time for him. And again, hungry. A lot of the time, really hungry. But absolute superstar material, you know, at the core of his being. It seems that way anyway. Well, I don't know. What what he was was really pretty. So uh, he was spotted. He was put in musicals mm. originally, but he couldn't sing. Yeah. But they just kept on... He'd been in a musical and they'd fail, and someone else would cast him in something else because he just was gorgeous on stage. Faye Ray was the first one who he stayed friendly with the rest of his life, who cast him opposite her in this romantic thing where he first had a break. Uh, and his character was called Carrie. That's where he got the name Carrie from later. And... Uh, he, can, he kind of failed upwards on stage, but then he formed his own tumbling act and circus-aided comedy sketches. And he, but I think he married up often. He married, so that you know we can't chronicle all the marriages. Our show's about Diane Cannon, but the first person he married had been in Chaplin's films. So for him, that was a real. She was something big, and he went to California with her. But she wanted to do a screen test to try and get in talkies. She didn't get anything. He did a screen test the first time, and they wrote, "He's got a thick neck and bandy legs." And uh, he fell. Came back to New York when he went for his second screen test years later. He, got a, he was a contract player. And um, his second wife was someone who would help educate him because he was completely, he'd been expelled from numbers of schools. And, and, but he aspired to being an English gent in Hollywood. And he met this woman who was very well read. And she also introduced him to therapy and Eastern philosophy, acid, LSD, a huge believer in LSD, they all were. And uh, when that marriage went wrong, he married the richest woman in the world, so he had access to high society. So this is you the know. Woolworths heiress. That's yeah, Barbara Hutton, and uh, they were known as Cash and Carry, and uh, <laughs> and he was very very famous by then. And I'm not saying that it was mercenary. Right. Him, I think unconsciously he always just wanted to be something he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Always. Just wanted so, to you know, escape as far away from yeah, pos- as, as possible. far as he possibly could from his past. Yeah. Actually, my dad, who will not be listening to this, luckily, uh, is 91, and he's. Been fine financially for a lot of his life, so, you know, survived and helped his kids go to university. He still has nightmares about bailiffs. Yeah. When he was a kid, his dad was a bit of a ne'er do well, and they were kicked out of the house a lot. In fact, his first day at school when he was five, they came to get him halfway through this class and say, "You've got to leave. You, you can't go to this school anymore because your family have moved." And he was five, and he remembers the humiliation of that bailiffs. And, and for Cary Grant, those wounds went deeper yeah. because the things he remembered were worse. So, yeah, Sanskara, it's 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 there forever. It's yeah. the thing you fear most. It doesn't matter what else happens. You, you go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning, and you, you're back to where you were. Because when you're asleep, you reset. To no, your that's true. true. But also, you know, it's exacerbated. You've met many, many, many famous people. Uh, the fame does not make them happy. They might be happy people and other but if the, if they think that the love of other people is going to do it for them, they're really on a losing wicket. It's just going to get worse. And it got worse for him because he was literally the most 
loved, adored, fancied man in the world yeah. for decades. And he was really good at his job. I mean, the one thing that that goes along with maybe this moving upwards thing that you that you allude to is his work ethic. He did ha seem to have an amazing work. He yeah, put, yeah. He put the heavy lifting in, didn't he? Oh, yeah, and he was very, very good at it. He was very smart. Actually, it came to light later when he stepped away from acting to be a dad. Uh, it turns out he was really good at business. I mean, really good at business. I read the, I did a lot of research in lots of different areas, but I read the minutes of the business meetings for the companies he was in. Yeah. And he should have done that all along. But he, he applied that to being a star. He went after it like a... Exocet. He he, gave, he took puppies to the studio heads when he was no one. He took them to their you know their daughters' birthdays and stuff. He he. This didn't happen by accident. Yeah, no, of course not. You know, he clawed his way to the top. Uh, I'm not over twitching corpses and stabbing on the back to get there, but it doesn't happen by just being talented. He went after it, and who knows what he had to do to get there. Yeah, and the thing about well, there's lots of things about the show which is amazing. Um, is is the fact that because he created this mid-Atlantic sort of screen matinee idol mm. had he really been a posh english bloke it wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have played because yeah, it was a caricature of a posh english that's bloke. very insightful yeah it's Do you know what i mean right. yeah, yeah. it's like it's the kind it's like what americans think posh english blokes are like but they're not like that at all Well, you know he built it I and mean, we couldn't put it all on screen because there's just so much of a life but he uh his first transatlantic crossing on a boat douglas fairbanks senior was there and he uh he uh, he got to play shuffleboard with him him again, him being so pretty allowed him entree into lots of different worlds, and he admired and and uh, was in awe of him. And uh, he modelled a lot of himself on lots of different actors, but Douglas Fairbanks in particular. He got a sense of dress from one. He got the cock of a head from another. He got putting hands in your pocket from another. He got the voice from some, and he he studied it. I mean, he, he built like a Frankensteinian thing. Yeah. He built that persona out of pieces of people that he wanted to be. Yeah, and if you build it well enough, you forget who you really are yourself, and that's when you're lost. Yeah. I suppose. I'm not sure he ever really was someone. I, I don't know if you did this, but. I'm from Liverpool originally and I came to London with a Liverpool accent and I went company overnight because people made fun of me at school. Yeah. I went to university, they were all very posh and often double barreled. I tried to sound like that quickly. And yeah. when I'm in America, I you know, I think I probably end up with a horrible, you know, halfway Lloyd Grossman, you know, uh, not the Lloyd Grossman, horrible person, but you know that mid-Atlantic accent and uh, I think he reinvented himself whoever he met at any point. Right, so this is you talking about um, about Archie, this amazing programme on ITVX. It's four one hours. I watched all four hours yesterday. I don't know where I got the time from. It may have been the world's first ever 28-hour day, but I watched them and I absolutely loved them. But you're talking now as if you were working on it or you're writing it or you're producing it or directing it or you, you were part of the character. No, let's family. talk about those people who did that. They're amazing. Yeah, No, hang all on. Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. go here we go. We've, we've, we've not talked about your performance, mate. You are Unbelievable. As, as are your fellow yeah, female... Yeah, Laura Eggman, who plays Diane Cancer. Cannon, is no, staggering, I think. But you're here telling us the story. You're, you're recounting the story. Like, you've researched the story, and you're on to tell us about the character. You, your performance in this is, is, is... I mean, I don't know. Is this, is this the best... Can you say... How do you say it? How would... Is this the best you've ever been? Is it the best role oh, you've ever God. had? Or I it's, mean, it's first di of all, it's different I wanna, level, mate. I want the world to open up and swallow me. I, 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 God knows everybody loves a compliment. Actors more than anyone, but I'm deeply uncomfortable. There's so much rather talk about the director. I know, the I know, I know. But let's so, okay, let's I'll talk about this. So let me do this approach. There's been some times in my life yeah. uh, as an actor where I get a lot of praise uh, or awards, even or not or whatever. I've always known when I've taken the script out of the brown envelope mm. or nowadays open the PDF that if I don't mess it up. I'll get praise that isn't really due to me. This is a complex, complicated man. It took Jeff Pope 10 years to persuade Diane Cannon and Jeff, Jennifer Grant that you should be allowed to tell the story. So when you get three-dimensional characters and you get to play someone over decades and stuff, 
you get praised for being surprisingly human on screen uh, in ways that I'm the same actor when I do the two-dimensional parts for cash or whatever. I, I've been the same actor all the way through. A couple of years ago, I did a film called Mass, a truly beautiful film that won a lot of awards. I won some. Everybody's nominated for stuff. Uh, it's a little indie film, but it's four people in the room talking about death and forgiveness and whatever. So I, I don't make it... This isn't much of a hard sell, but trust me, it's really worth you watching. You came on the show to talk about it. Right, exactly. And... I got praise that was really because it's a magnificent piece. So I, I never think it's me. I'm all right, you know, I do my job well. I think I'm reasonably good at it. But if someone gives you the ball, you just run yeah, with it. Yeah, but you're you know? the only person here to talk about it. I want to talk about your That's bit. true, but I can't be. I, I, no, know. I get all that. Let's I get talk about that. the amazing makeup, for instance, and, no, and the costume. Yeah, let's talk about all those things. Let's talk about you preparing for it. Let's talk about you and the voice coaches and, and you mm. know, the fact that he came up with this voice and you had to re recreate the voice that he came up with. The fact you're playing a real person, one of the most famous people ever to appear on screen anyway, and you're playing him on screen anyway and so do you do an impression of him do you do a recreation of him how do you get it so right do you have to get it right or do you just have to get the message across god well first of all i was just terrified of doing it at all <laughs> it's just awful and it's true you know. that you said who would play who would ever well, dare play Carrie. i mean carrie grant you nobody could possibly be that person but it was only because i knew i was playing archie who was a really badly messed up bloke and that uh, off screen he was nothing like that I mean, you try and recreate that level the thing he could do on screen forget it um but he was, you know, but I can't remember which one, maybe Hitchcock or someone else said, I've never known someone who could be so charming on screen and so charmless off screen, you know, continually consumed by rage and stuff. Um, but start with the outsides, amazing uh, Liz Headley, who came up with the, the look of the thing. I'm not trying to look like him. It's not like spitting image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of years time, AI will mean you can actually have Cary Grant in the film. It's me, but there's some makeup to make me a little bit less like me, a little bit more like him. So they did... Uh, Ron Seal, I mean, he was dark brown, like yeah. crazy dark brown. So I was covered in fake tan, a chin. He's got a famous dimple. He's got brown eyes, so I had to wear rather uncomfortable contacts all the time. Wow. And he had different hair. And then, he's, you know, he's got a different walk and different way of carrying himself. I'm in costumes that are made by Savile Row tailors. You know, the, the greatest tailors in the world made these clothes to recreate his suits. And also... You know, I don't have particularly great posture. <laughs> he had an athlete's body, but when they cut suits right for you, they hang right. Yeah. You can be all hunched inside and twisted, and it still looks good I from know. the outside. So there's all the outside stuff, and there's the voice. Um, but mostly, when you're watching it, you're not really connecting with that. There's a, I'm not a mimic, but I, I do a faint approximation. But really, you're connecting with something you recognise about marriage, or about our own instincts, yeah. to, you know. Uh, well, if you tap deep, it goes deep, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's so uh, yes, I did all that preparation. Oh, I know what it's going to say. Yeah, the voice. He, I knew he didn't talk like that in the uh, like he spoke in the films. Yeah. Because he sp broke it down. He spoke almost every line in exactly the same intonation pattern. That's why Mimics could do him so well, uh, and Tony Curtis could exaggerate it so much as some like it hot. And I couldn't find an interview. He just would. He never gave radio interviews or television interviews because he knew it expose who he really was. Right. He could curate the guy on screen brilliantly, but he couldn't manage it in a one-to-one -one conversation. Uh, and finally, I tracked down this thing that was a transcript, and I got in touch with a guy through a bit of detective work online. And I said, that is a transcript. Did you record the conversation? And he said, why are you asking? Who are you? He got very panicky, and I said, I'm an actor. I'm playing him. I'm just desperate to find out what he talked like when he spilled coffee on his lap. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and he finally, this very generously, this man who had recorded him as a student, but his mate had recorded him, even though Cary Grant came on the recording, and the first thing he says, you're not recording this, are you? He goes, well, I was going, no, don't. I don't want you to. Very firm. He, his mate did actually record it, and he played it to me, and I, I heard the man. So the voice you hear in the show is much more English than a lot of the stuff on screen because he was more English. But also, he just, 
you can hear things in his personality that he, he never showed on screen. Right. That, that unflappable masculinity he showed yeah. in films is not who he was in real life. He was much more insecure, even at 82 when the recording was made. So when the, the film opens with this him on stage in a theatrical tour, like, mm. like people do nowadays more yeah, often than not. Yeah, it's got a conversation with Cary Grant. Yeah, and, and so, so even, you know, towards the end of his life, it wasn't, because I was watching, I was thinking, did he go skin, you know, straight away? I was thinking, <laughs> did he have to do this? And no, of course he didn't. No, no, he was very, very rich. He would be on the board of Fabergé and MGM and the, the Hollywood racetrack, which he went to every day, not for the races, but because he cared how much the taco stand took and whether more people came in the rain or not, whether they should build a stand. He took his daughter there all the time and tried to teach her about business. No, no, he did it because a friend of his was sick and was due to talk at UCLA and called and said, would you mind going down? He hadn't done anything public for 20 years or 30 years. And he went down there and had a microphone and he found he quite liked the old ego boost of yeah, getting yeah. cheap laughs. So then he did another one. And then he started, still a businessman all the time, he did them occasionally because... It was exciting to realise that people still remembered him from the movies. Yeah, business is a great distraction if you don't want to focus on things that really matter. Yeah, I mean, I think he was better at business. He, he liked not being the centre of attention right. for decades, where he could make Jennifer the centre of his life and doing business well. And then there was something about it, you know, get, you know, it's like you get a laugh from an audience. It's adrenaline, it's a drug. And so he... Uh, what you see in the show, I think, is far more candid and emotional and revealing yeah. than he ever was in real life, but because he had a stroke on stage. So, so Jeff and Paul, uh, Paul Andrew Williams, our rather fantastic director, gave himself license to say, maybe this night didn't really happen. Maybe this is him having a stroke. Mm. Maybe this is the fever dream of a man who's dying. Um, I also think he did such clever things, Paul, in that, you know, you've, you've seen it, but they swap timelines. So yeah. I'm talking to my mother and sometimes I'm talking to my 20-year-old mother. Yeah. And sometimes Diane is talking to a little boy and not a, an adult. And none of those things were in the script. That was all Paul's doing. Amazing. Mm. What about the house where you shot it? Where is that? So you know, <laughs> I'm always worried about uh, showing people how the sausage is made too much because you want to believe that you're watching Hollywood. We shot in Liverpool, uh, right next to an open sewage farm. So someone said to me the other day, what's your, what's your fondest memory? And I said, trying to have sex with beautiful Laura whilst trying not to throw up because of the smell of the sewage farm next door. Um, but we shot in Liverpool and we did a week in Spain. So, so no, uh, no, no Los Angeles? No, uh, no, and it was very hard because I'm from Liverpool, so I get there in the morning, I'm just talking like that to me. I've got fizzy water in your trailer, Jason, all right. Uh, and I had to try and hold on to Cary Grant's accent. Liz, who did the makeup for hours every day, he's telling me about her life, and I was just going, oh, please, please. That is amazing. So Liverpool and Spain for a week. Yeah, yeah. How do they do all this stuff? Well, it's because... We're not telling the public story. We don't have any Oscar scenes, any giant parties or red carpets. It's all really what happened when he stepped inside his front yeah, door. Yeah, but it's, you can't... But that house, that house is an amazing house. And they built the inside to match a house they'd found in Spain. When we got to Spain, having shot for months in Liverpool, it was a bit spooky. Right. To, to see the outside of it being so... And know. the the red Mustang and the red Rolls. The cars. Why, why, <laughs> why have they got old Rolls Royces in, in Liverpool? You know, American cars as well in Liverpool and in Spain. They're I don't everywhere, know mate. They're everywhere. And Because you love old cars, of course, don't you? Yeah, A I lot do. of the cars are being pushed. You know, this, some of them didn't quite work. They, a, they often are. There's a scene with me and uh, Harriet Walter having chips uh, by the side of the road. It was meant to be a driving scene, yeah, but obviously yeah. the, the engine backed up five seconds in. Yeah. yeah, that was the yellow and black Rolls, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? I knew you'd remember. Um, Good morning, Christoph. <laughs> OMG, Jason. He's so eloquent, interesting, and what a decent bloke. I could listen to him all day. He's so interesting, so humble. I'm 59, heterosexual, and I'm in love with him, says David Newcastle. <laughs> See, now that, that's touched upon a lot, isn't it? The potential bisexualism. Yeah, yeah. Well, he loved... Look, he, first of all, I think he was keen to... He, he people-pleased, and he was available for hire to be a gigolo yeah. to women, maybe men too. Uh, he... 
he never said publicly that he had relationships with men, but be very well documented that he had a man who he lived with as uh, possibly as a husband for a dozen years, yeah. Randy Scott. And it was a question about whether we put it in or not, although he sued someone for saying he was gay. But then I, I think he was preserving the legacy of Cary Grant, the on-screen you know, creature yeah. that he created. And in private life, as reported in many biographies, he was very open about he'd been with men for a long time, then he was with women. I mean, Diane said, when I asked her first... No, I can't swear. Can you beat me? It's live. No. Well, I'll beat myself. He said, well, I don't know, honey. She goes, he wasn't gay when he was beeping me. So, uh, you know, yeah. I don't, and that's what his third wife said as well. So I think he was with, he was fluid, uh, but he wasn't hiding anything. No, and, and it's addressed, you know... Um, Quite elegantly, I think. Elegantly, squarely, gently, softly, but it still lands with yeah, yeah. all the gravity that Oh, I think you to. watch it. You know perfectly well what he's saying. It's just... We also only document one relationship. We don't document the other wives as well. So yeah. some people ask, well, how come... And all the mentions of Marilyn Monroe and there's the lovely thing with Grace Kelly and then there's the Audrey Hepburn mm. moments. And it's all, you know... That's a bit scary because we're recreating a bit of the actual film. I know. You know. And then the Mae West scene. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the Mae West stuff. Mae West, Mae West championed him. He was friendly. He stayed friendly with people for a long, long time. And uh, Mae West gave him his first big break. He was a studio player, but she... was the famous line, wasn't it? Famous line. Well, she doesn't say, come and see me, but she says, why don't you come up and see me? Yeah, you know, uh, she said it to him. Yeah, and uh, supposedly he never did, but then he didn't kiss and tell. Remember, he was born in 1904. So when he married Diane, which we document, he's in his 60s and she's in her 20s at first. And then he married again someone who was under 30 when he was 77. Yeah. So that that relationship's beautiful. Well, monstrous. Yeah, Diane chronicled stuff. She was so open. Yeah. I can't tell you the numbers of very personal things I asked her about their life emotionally and yeah, intimately yeah, yeah. and physically even and that she held nothing back but it started off she didn't want to be with an old man he was older than her dad yeah, 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 yeah. but he wooed her and he was the biggest sexiest film star in the world and finally she fell for him and once she was married to him bit by bit what became clear is that he didn't he thought he loved and wanted this this young vital energy the supernova that would shake him out of his life but actually he did the same as he did with his other wives he told her exactly what to say exactly what to wear he shouted at her all the time he found fault with her everything she did in the house everything she touched everywhere she went and in the end he squashed the life out of her and terrorised yeah, her yeah yeah and that was all about control, wasn't it? Because of the lack yeah. of control he had as a kid, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think if you control every single element in your life, then maybe chaos won't find its way in again. Yeah, but it always does. Because it's there forever. And well, because you've got to heal. You, people can heal the scars of childhood, but you've got to know that that's a problem. You've got to be humble enough to accept that maybe what you're doing isn't right. Yeah, absolutely. Val says, hello, Chris and the team. I'm so glad I've got this week off because this is just the best great show as ever. And having listened to Jason Isaacs even more so, what a way to set up my day. I, th I think she's going to watch all your shows today. Hey, Val, today. how are you doing? Switch the telly on. Switch Val's amazing, on. by Wait the way. Wait till Chris has finished, obviously. Uh, Jason, what else, could we, what else should we say about it to get people to watch it? What do you want to say? I don't I mean, I, I don't like telling people to watch things. I mean, I, find, I want them to find well, it. I'll I love the it. fact that you like it. You've told people to watch it. Um, <clears throat> I did. So today, uh, the, I don't do it much on my phone, but I see everybody else in the world doing it in my family. Just think that other, there are lives that are shinier. The, 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 the social media platforms force us to think that everybody else is having a better life than us. And yeah. one of the reasons to make this show is not because the, the audience will all know who Cary Grant is or watch all of his movies. Many people won't. I expect they used to over there. I'm looking at their faces. Not so much. Um, <laughs> but it does remind us that not to feel less than people in the public eye, to yeah. think that they have these perfect lives. And I go to, because I was in Harry Potter, the gift that keeps giving in the sense that I, I meet people all the time who are so in love and feel that their lives were saved by uh, the stories and the films and the books. Uh, and yet, invariably, when they come up to me or want to talk to me, 
I can sense that they think I'm somehow, I don't know, occupying more valuable space in the world than them. And I, and I go to as many lengths as I can to dispel that. So they walk away going, I know he's just some knob who wears makeup. You know, that's, that's what he is. They don't uh, think that, mate. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I just do think that the, we, give people, uh, we give people status yeah, uh, and put ourselves down a lot. And not that there's a reason to watch this show for kind of medicinal purposes, but <clears throat> the reason to make it is to be reminded that, uh, that we need to look to ourselves and look to our, our childhood and look to our parenting. Yeah, well, our first story has been the human being. Isn't right. it? That's the thing. That's what, that's what this yeah. show is all about. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't know about telling people to watch the thing. I'll tell you what, I, I watched it the other day with my uh, with a friend who was staying with me, and he made me watch it again. I kept walking out of the room. But I was so... <laughs> oh, I can't bear watching myself. But I'm just so... I'm so relieved when there's anything that takes me away from the news nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Anything at all. Yeah. It's a really complicated world, and it's a really... It can be very dark and depressing if you tend, like I do, to catastrophe. So even though you're watching someone else's marriage meltdown who's had a terrible life, it's at least away from us. Yeah. You know, so there you and go. That's insightful. the strongest thing I say to watch It's insightful, it. though, as well. It's a, there's a lesson in everything. In, every, every, in everybody else's story, there's a lesson for us in ours, I think. There is. I, I, I'm so sick of watching television about murders. Yeah. I don't know that many people have been murdered. I don't know that many cops. And you don't want to move to any of those villages because there's no, one every no, week. The corpses pile up. So I live yeah. next door to that village. Do you? Yeah, midsummer murders. I, I, live, I won't say the village because every time I say it, they're dropping goes in there. the Caribbean. They're dropping in Shetland. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> there's piles of them. And Oxford, my God, you couldn't get in for the piles of corpses. <laughs> so it's just it's nice to watch good television that isn't about cops solving murders. Um, I have to apologise for the fact you said knob. Oh, I, yes. no, I've said it, so I've got to apologise for it again. I thought that was a quite thought, nice euphemism honest, for a rude word. Honest, compared to what Dawn French said on Tuesday, I don't... I'm always doesn't... surprised on American television you can say, I think you can no, say... You can't, you, well, you... I think you can say crap, for instance. That comes up a lot on American television. How about we don't go through the words you can or can't say on the radio? <laughs> let's, let's, let's run. That would be the opposite of that apology working. <laughs> I, I'm a I, I don't, don't mean to offend anyone. Don't watch anything Jason's in. This new thing he's in is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if that word offended you. Uh, it is an odd thing, though. We have an adult conversation and... Uh, when you talk about swearing on screen, so there's a bit of swearing in, in Cary Grant um, or in Archie. Uh, so many people swear all around me all the time in yeah. life. And then we just only when I come on camera, when I have live TV or live radio, do I temper it and do other people temper it, you temper it. Uh, but it's not what happens. I was on the tube on the way here and that's not what was going on the tube next to me. No, I know. I don't, I don't know why, why it's the case. It just is. It's always fascinated me. That Did you swear in front of your kids? No. Ever? Yeah. I'm lying a little bit. <laughs> do, do you do it now? No, I'll tell you who I didn't... No, well, again, bits and bobs, right. but usually only to make them laugh, if I'm being really honest. Yes, it's a good, um, cheap laugh, always. But I never, <laughs> ever, ever swore in front of my mum, ever. No. And it was weird. I don't think I could have done if I tried. My mum had dementia really at the end strange. before she died, and she started to swear a bit, and it was so <laughs> shocking to me. I couldn't... Because she'd always said, oh, sugar, and then she started not saying that, and I just couldn't... I just, I don't know, I couldn't process. found it very, very difficult. Um, I think we're done. Anybody want to add anything? No, I'm all done. Why don't you ask me what I've got coming out in the future? How about yeah, well, that? Well, I, I wanted to ask you about I'm that, because you've, you. you've, you've got The Salt Path coming up, haven't you? Which I is have. one of the greatest books I've ever read. You've read it? Yeah. God oh, wow. Yeah, it's a beautiful... They're amazing people. That's a real-life person who was not tortured or so. Just one of the most beautiful men I've ever met in my life. I'm Ray, who wrote the book, but Moth, who I'm playing, is honestly... Uh 
I've never met anyone that opens everyone's heart who meets him as much. Those are big shoes to step into. Okay, just give us the elevator pictures. I know, I know the story. Just give everybody thirty seconds of that. A couple lost their this lovely uh, couple with grown-up kids at university. They lost their house, their money, everything through a con. That, and in the same week, they lost all that. They're told by the doctor that his shoulder injury has been sticking around for a while. Arthritis is actually a terminal neurological condition. So they're completely broke. He's dying, and Ray goes, "Why don't we just walk?" And he goes, what? And they walked the south coast of Britain when really he was told to go and lie down and get ready to say goodbye to everyone. And the freezing cold and the starvation and the physical challenge of it meant that his symptoms started to reverse. And every time he gets sick, they go for another walk because, you know, it, it gets, they end up having to shelter for a while. The symptoms come back. And it's a, what it really is, is a love story, one of the greatest love stories you'll ever see. Perfect. And it's me and Gillian Anderson braving the south coast. Uh, but not as much as Moth and Ray did. You're on fire at the moment, aren't you? I'm getting out of the house. I've got, I'm an empty nest. The kids aren't there. It's just an echoing bark of our little dog. Oh, mate. Yeah. Well, and listen. my wife, obviously. <laughs> yeah. oh. And she doesn't bark. Sorry, let's, let's start the oh, whole thing again. Oh, it's all going so What well. am I doing? He's going all Carrie Grant on yeah. us. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I um, like to work. One anything? of the great things about the strike, by the way, yes. is that indie films started to flourish, and actors were doing indie films, and money was going to indie films. It's a terrible thing, the actor strike. I'm so glad it's over. But... I'm in a bunch of indie films I've just loved doing and I, I hope that people go to the cinema to support small films because otherwise they won't get made anymore. Okay, last word from Sinead. You just mentioned about Harry Potter. Do kids recognise you without the wig? No. They don't. You look so. more like Lucy's mouth. No, I, I know. Do. It's what I was Sometimes going Sometimes I'm in the supermarket <laughs> and people come up and they go, look who it is. And kids just look at me blank and they go, go on, tell them who you are. And they go, hello, my name's Jason. No, no, but tell them who you are. I'm like, well, I, I'm an actor. No, but tell them who you play. They go, well, one of my 500 parts was Lucy's mouth. They go, no, it wasn't. Do you uh, swear in front of the kids? Uh, I swear in front of strangers' kids. Don't bring your kids up to me. I will swear at them. <laughs> Jason, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks oh, for watching. I hope everyone enjoys it. I've seen it all. It's great. Start to finish. Archie, full four episodes out today on ITVX. Brilliant. Love music? Love interviews with lovely musicians? Search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist, including George Ezra. This is going to be something I'll remember, and that's a really lovely thing. I don't think I was able to do that in the past. And James Bay. Come on, lady. Don't you agree that everybody needs someone when they feel alone? Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash UK. 